Hey there, my name is Sarah Bowling, and I'm so excited that you're listening to my podcast. I'm praying that God speaks to you through this podcast. Your heart is encouraged and overflowing with love. Thank you so much for listening. Love to have you subscribe and of course share this with your friends. I know God has really great things for you in this time together. Thanks so much. One of my favorite, all-time favorite people is Robbie Dawkins. And uh, Robbie is like a brother to me. I think we're similar in age, um, similar in upbringing, and uh, so lots of common overlap. So whenever I get to hang out with Robbie, I'm like, woohoo! He's like my brother from another mother. I don't think I should say that. Is that wrong? I don't think so. I like it. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Fantastic. That's totally good. So, Robbie, um, give us a little bit of background and uh, where you're from and kind of what's going on, family, all that stuff. And then we'll just have some fun and see where, where God takes us. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was born in Japan. My parents were missionaries there. Um, I, in many ways, I wish they'd have never left uh, because I think that was when they were in their sweet spot uh, the most in their life, even though they came back and did more they, you know, they, it's interesting. They came back and did more sort of in the natural, per, uh, successful stuff, but really where their heart was, was what they were doing in the missional stuff in Japan. And, um, yeah. we, yeah, we left when I was almost three years old, moved to Dallas, Texas. And, and, uh, and my dad was a part of a really, my mom and dad both were working at a really large ministry here uh, for several years. That was the successful thing. They helped start, they actually, I don't, I don't even know if you know this, Sarah, but they actually helped start one of the first Christian television stations in the United States in 1971. Wow. It was Channel 33 here in Dallas that was later purchased uh, by a television uh, ministry called CBN or Christian Broadcasting Network, um, and so um, yeah, early days of of kind of growing up in that swirl was interesting. And then moved to Atlanta and were part of ministry there. My dad started uh, going out and picking up runaway teenagers. Of course, in the seventies, you know, through the sixties and seventies, there were so many runaways. And going on the streets of Atlanta and picking young people up and bringing them home, and they'd live with us, and he'd disciple them, and he and my mom uh, lead them to Christ. We started actually, and then then got two actual homes that was a girl's home and a guy's home uh, for them and people to come. And so we were always like, um, it's that was interesting because we were always like, you know, around people that were really broken and rejected and things like that and you know um just always had a real open door policy in our in our in our lives it really was it really functioned a lot like a commune in many ways but not like a waco type commune <laughs> more of like a right. you know like more of a communal living probably kibbutz you know for anybody who understands that you know setting kind of a little bit more like that but anyway um yeah, I grew up in that and just always, my parents were, both had hearts for ministry. Both of them were great preachers and teachers. Uh, my mom was a, had a strong prophetic gift, which, uh, you know, spilled over into me and, and uh, my sisters as well. And so grew up, had a heart for ministry early, early on, became my dad's youth pastor, then later ended up going and working at other churches as a youth pastor. And and just yeah, dove dove into ministry, and it was interesting because you know 
those early parts of getting in ministry was kind of a prestigious thing of sort of seeing the pulpit as the golden baton to grab. Um, but then after kind of getting into them going, eh, this really isn't the golden baton to grab. <laughs> and began to start going, wow, people need to be training to do ministry outside of this. And out of really that came the whole thing of where I'm at today of, I think really that Ephesians 6, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry, to just start equipping believers to operate in signs and wonders and to be compelled, as Paul says, uh, you know, the love of Christ compels me. It's that driving wind that hits my sail and pushes me to do what I do and, and just start, you know, start training people to just step out into that and to uh, being compelled by love and being compelled by, you know, that versus a position or a title or all the stuff that we get distracted with in sort of Christian church circles. And so um, anyway, that sort of launched me and I, I did plant a church in a poor urban community in Chicago, in the Chicago area. Um, and, uh, you know, was really just looking as hey, I want to I raise a new breed of people uh, in the church that doesn't look like what I thought was church and where, what I kind of got a little disillusioned with and distracted with. And so um, started really putting the focus on just training and equipping and raising people up in what God had always called them to be from the beginning. And that's really ambassadors of hope and love for the world. And so... Yep. Yeah, in a nutshell, I think that Sarah, you should be very impressed. I think that is the shortest <laughs> I've ever said any of that ever in the history so of the great. world. That's hilarious. This is one of the reasons why I love you, man. Just like, woo, wait. That's my media edited version of the story, Totally great, completely great, and. Robbie, married, kids, how long you been married, how many kids, all that? Yeah, married to Angie, uh, Miss Wonder Woman, amazing, uh, super mom. Uh, yeah. One of the people, you know, it's so interesting because when you're, when you're coming out of a uh, ministry, you know this, when you're coming out of a ministry home, ministry, you know, uh, Angie's real passion and focus is, that, is the family. And it's the family that's her. It's not just her first ministry. And from her perspective, it's her only ministry. But passionate about all the ministry that our ministry does and has a real heart for that. And in that, we're a really great balance because she keeps my feet on the ground as a dad and as a husband and, and as making sure and keeping connected with the kids. We've got six sons. Uh, ranging from uh, 27 down to nine and uh, now two grandsons with twins on the way from our second son. So great. Uh, yeah, tw uh, tw a boy and a girl twin in there. So we're excited about that. But yeah, the kids from early age always involved them in ministry, not, not in the sense of dragging them into it, but, but, you know, inviting them into the participation of it as, 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 as fun as, as, you know, a part of family time as a part of, you know, waiting, waiting for mom in the, in, in the, the clothing store and sitting outside and going, Hey, let's see if Jesus gives us a word for that lady sitting on the, that other chair over there. And just, you know, just diving in 
diving in at all different levels and uh, been cool to see that, you know, to come up and that passion for all that come up in our kids as a result of that as well. Yeah. And so, yeah. So the family's great and, and loving, loving every bit of it. We've got two, the two oldest are uh, worship leaders in ministries. Uh, Judah of course served with you guys there and, uh, and park, uh, not Parker, uh, uh, Denver, it's all the right there, the Denver area. Yeah, they should have yeah. gone with the general Denver area, but uh, they live in Parker, so I always get confused with that. But they, um, uh, and then our second son is uh, a worship leader, too. Third son is just graduated Bible college, and uh, the fourth is about to start into uh, working with a Christian television ministry in Atlanta. So I guess it, it the legacy continues, <laughs> it just yeah. And it's funny because we never were like nudging them. We weren't ever like going, you're supposed to do ministry. You know, yeah. they just, I, they just saw it. And they, it's, it's all of a sudden become who they are, which is what you want is that organic sort of thing with them, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we're blessed. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask you this question too, because I remember uh -huh. the first book I read that you wrote, it's called do what Jesus did. Uh huh. Was it, is that right? Do what Jesus did or do what That's Jesus right. does. Do what Jesus did. Perfect. And I remember the opening story is you're talking about this guy when you were growing up that was your dad brought home a homeless kid and he's in your bedroom, right? Can he you was tell the about first that? Kid. That was amazing. Yeah. Amazing he, story. He was the first guy. His name was Fred, uh, 17 years old. Uh, and he had a, had a horrible past. Uh, he was a heroin addict, um, and um, my dad picked him up off the street. He was prostituting himself as a male prostitute in Atlanta and just, uh, you know, a, a lot of confusion and all that because he had a dad who really hated him as a kid, which was just tragic in this story, you know, I mean, um, and a dad who's very abusive to him and all this type of stuff. And finally, he finally ran away at 15 years old. and was just living on the streets in Atlanta and uh, just, you know, trying to survive and, you know, selling himself to eat. I mean, it wasn't like a desire or anything like that, but of course all the brokenness with stuff with his dad sort of, you know, it opened him up to some stuff in that, but it was a really amazing story, but he was, uh, my parents took him in and, and a part of that, the reason why I share that part is because when he got really touched and transformed, it's what the Lord spoke to him and what the Lord did. But anyway, he was, he was in the, I think it was the third or fourth day of, of, you know, going through detoxing in a system. And I mean, he, it was, it was bad. I mean, bad. I mean, he was throwing up. He was, uh, you know, just shaking, shivering, sweating. He was going through all this extreme and I was sitting there and the crazy thing is I always tell people like whenever I do trainings I'm like when I share the story I don't want you to see this as a part of the training because I wouldn't encourage it but I'm a nine-year-old boy and I'm seeing him in the bed beside the only bed that was available was the bed in my bedroom and uh and I was just seeing him behave this crazy way and it was freaking me out and I couldn't tell if he's possessed by aliens or demons or <laughs> I didn't understand right. the whole drug thing. So I was like, I don't know what's this guy's deal. But uh, on the, the, about the third or fourth day I woke up and it was, I'll never forget. It was a Saturday morning. It was early Saturday morning. 
and he had his, I had a high window seal in my room and he had his arm looking out in the backyard of the window and the sun was just starting to come up. And so because he was awake, I jumped up and kind of jumped back because I was startled by him because of all the weird behavior I'd seen. And I just looked at him and I said, Hey Fred, are you know, you okay? Are you, you know, what, what's going on? What like, you know, do I need to get my dad? What do I need? You know, like I was kind of freaking out that he was away and he turned and he looked at me. I was on the other side of him. And when he turned and looked at me, I just saw tears were streaming down his face. And even the whole front of his t-shirt was like drops of tears all over the front of his t-shirt. And he just looked at me and I was kind of startled. And I, I said, are you all right? Do I need to get my dad? And he looked at me and he said, Robbie, he said, uh, Jesus came into the room this morning. He's, I woke up early and he goes, I was so sick and I didn't even think I could make it to the bathroom in time. And I didn't think, you know, and he goes, I was just sitting there saying, God, you know, how, why, you know, why, why would these people take me in? Why would, you know, am I ever going to get past this? Am I ever going to, and he said, Jesus walked in and he said, why would anybody want somebody like me? And he said, uh, Jesus walked into the room and he opened up his arms and he said, Fred, I'll take you and I want you. And he said, I got up out of the bed and I ran to him and he just wrapped his arms around me. He says, I could tell you what he smelled like, felt like I could wow. feel him. He was there. He was present. He said, this wasn't my imagination. This wasn't like a apparition. This was, this was real. And he goes, um, and he goes, and he just began to rock me back and forth and began to tell me all the wonderful things he thought of me and how much he loved me, how much he cared for me. And he said, he just rocked the way that he described it. He just rocked all the sickness and all the addiction oh, wow. away. And he wow. said, and, and he said, he just took it all away. And he goes, it's all gone. I'm not, I don't, I, I feel strong. I feel, I feel good. The, all the addiction is gone. And he just dropped his head and he just began to sob again. Well, I jumped out of bed and I ran to my parents' bedroom, <laughs> uh, which wasn't far. I mean, it was just two doors down. But I, I ran to their room and I sort of burst open the door. Well, it woke them up because it was early in the morning. And they were like, my dad was immediately freaking out. Like, what did he do? You know, did he touch you? Yeah, did he do something? Yeah, like, what happened? Yeah. Like, what, you know, because he had, he had been real respectful throughout the whole period. But they were like, but they knew his past was you know, in some bad yeah. stuff. And so, and I looked at him and I said, no, he didn't do any of that. And I, when I, then when I threw open the door, I just, I burst into tears mm -hmm. because of what I just saw. Yeah. And, uh, and I, my, I, he's like, did he touch you? Did he do something? Does, is everything okay? And I said, no, he didn't do everything. Everything's fine. And I told them what he said, the story that he told me. And I looked at my parents and I said, you know, that's what I want to see the rest of my life. I want to see Jesus do that. And, uh, and I tell everybody all the time from that day till now, that's what I've been addicted to is G watching Jesus do that in people's lives. Yeah. And it, it transformed me. And I, that guy today, I mean, he's, he's in ministry, um, has two daughters and a son and, and a wife. And, you know, it, it's just, it's incredible. I'm withholding his last name for a reason. Sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. But I love that because it's genuine love. It's what yeah. Jesus does. It's who Jesus is. It has nothing to do with what we are or not, what we've done, what we haven't done. None of that's important because it's all about Jesus and Jesus loving us. 
and us being available for him to love, right? Absolutely. And to love through us. And so I love, I, I, that story, I hear it, you know, and I read it and I just, again and again, it marks me because I, I think, and that's what Jesus says. People know you follow me by your love for one another. That's yeah. like a defining characteristic. And, you know, we can have all the gifts. I'm for the gifts of Holy Spirit. I'm for being super sure. smart. I'm for doing all kinds of social justice. I'm for all of that stuff. But if we don't have love, None of that stuff doesn't have any, any tread to it. That's exactly what Paul says, 1 right. Corinthians 13. Gifts, intelligence, good works, no love doesn't mean anything. It's all empty yeah. and fruitless. So I love well, that. Well, it's also what's, what Jesus is speaking to the church. Uh, I believe it is in Laodicea when he's like, you know, you're doing all these wonderful things. You have wealth. You have riches. You have all... And he's like, but the truth is, is that you're wretched, you're poor, you're broken. And, you know, because you've, lo you've left your first love, you've walked away from that first love. And, you know, one of the things that in, in, in training and equipping people, one of the things I'm always saying to them is you've got to check your motivation because all of a sudden, if it's just about doing the coolest sign and wonder, mm -hmm. if it's just about, oh, I want to I see a dead person raised so I can tick my box or right. so that I can say that I did it or that I can be impressive. Or I, well, that, that's not the motivation that Jesus d does it with. You know, I mean, it yeah. says, you know, after Jesus hears about John the Baptist, be, his head being cut off, he pulls away from the crowd. And when the crowd finds him, he looks out, he's moved with compassion and he heals them all. The driving part, again, it's like what Paul said, the love of Christ compels me. If it's not being born out of that, then it's not really coming from what the real heart of God is, is, is moving in. It's just yeah. a task. or, or yeah. so. and If it's a task, it's religion. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really I, not religion. I, I agree with you. And I think so many times we go through the motions, but I think for us to be available you know, I want, I want Jesus to love through me because I know I can't pull that off in my own strength. There's just no way. But I think for Jesus to love through me, I have to be available for Jesus to love me, right? That Jesus loves me. Yeah. And not just that I, I can just check the box and say, oh, yes, Jesus loves me and move on down the road. No, that I'm available for Jesus to love me on a regular daily basis that I sense. And whether it's little things, big things. Sometimes I think we qualify, well, I earned it. No, it has nothing to do with, you know, and, and it's not how good you are, how many Bible verses you memorize, not what yeah. you did, none of that stuff. It's just Jesus, letting Jesus be who Jesus is. So yeah. I, I think that's just one of the most powerful things that as a follower of Christ, that we are, we let Jesus love us. Do you remember sword drills? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. sword drills, whoever could find the yeah. scriptures fastest yeah, you know, yeah 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 the other day i was thinking about it and i think i think back when i was in i think i was in junior high in our junior high youth group doing the sword drills i look back and i'm like all the people who could find the verse the fastest none of them are ended up in ministry yet they got the prizes <laughs> they right. got the accolades of it <laughs> and it's it's that kind of thing it's all of a sudden yeah. we think the mark is the sword drill you right. know, and, and, and versus that, you know, that truly what's, what's in the being compelled by the love and being, you know, driven by from that place of, of loving and caring about people and about, you know, um, you know, just where they're at and, yeah. you know, what's, what's, 
what's happening in their in their life and in their sphere and how are they viewing god based on what they've seen from how i treat them even yeah yeah you know? i agree love yeah. it love it love it so robbie thank you boatloads for hanging out with me i love it thank you for your time Always. hey there thanks so much for listening today i'm super stoked to get time with you and of course i'd love for you to subscribe share this with your friends and really sense God working through you as well as in you in these words. So thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.